Good afternoon, fellas. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to you, people of Hilliard and surrounding areas. Welcome to the Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion number four. Mm-hmm. You might notice something a little different this week. Uh, the Audio Companion has no uh, companion piece yet. That's because we're holding uh, this week's article until we get a few more comments from the various city council candidates. Uh, I'm here today with Tim Hoffman, as usual, Hey-o. and our uh, local reporter, Good afternoon. and Kevin Corvo, the local uh, superstar. Still at it. Still at it, still chopping away, and uh, after all these years, as they say. You will not be stopped. <laughs> we will not be stopped. Uh, so anyway, we are going to wait to get a few more comments from the local candidates because we want to make sure... Uh, people have a chance to fully represent themselves uh, in this early offering. That primary will be May 2nd. That's right. And uh, why don't we throw it to Kevin a little bit to tell us a little bit about the various uh, construction of local primaries, because that's not something everybody has. Not many cities have those, um, Jordan. Uh, Hilliard is one of the few cities that still holds on to a partisan primary for its city council. Uh, the city of Whitehall also does this, and I... And uh, maybe another couple suburbs. Uh, Columbus does have primaries, but not many suburbs have a primary. Okay. So. Um, and Columbus is still parties. Yes. Party. Okay. Uh, I believe so. I should have yeah. confirmed a couple year, that. Yeah. Right. A couple um, years ago, I mean, I think the problem with Columbus yeah, City is, partisan. is just such a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. that they use that rotating mm-hmm. resign appoint uh, material down there at Columbus. Um, it's it's almost a locked up uh, situation, but out here in the suburbs, a couple of years ago, they were trying to get nonpartisan primaries. I was through, about to bring that up. I think it was on the same cycle as the city manager charter amendment, so that would have been twenty eighteen, I believe. They, that's when they did the city manager, and they also had a ballot issue to uh, steer away from uh, from Republicans and Democrats on as partisan on city council. Yeah, you wouldn't. And identify. it failed. Uh, voters wanted to keep it that way. So uh, Republicans and Democrats on city council and and in a primary to to determine um, the general election. Uh, for many many years, um, uh, no Democrats filed to run, uh, even filed a petition for a city council in Hilliard. So the general election, most of the time, was uncontested, and the Republicans had a primary in May to sort out the uncontested election in November. So it was a little unusual um, for me because we didn't usually cover, we didn't always cover primaries uh, for Northwest News. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I had to state, well, you know what? The general election in Hilliard sometimes is the primary, the Republican primary, and it often worked out that way. So this year, how many so, candidates are there running? So to trigger a primary, you have to have more candidates running than seats available. Correct. correct? So, okay, so three I'm, seats. Three seats are up for election in November. Uh, two incumbent. Well, they're all incumbents. Uh, the seats of uh, Democrat Cynthia Vermillion and Republicans Omar Tarazi and Pete Marsh are um, are up. So that means uh, three Republicans and three Democrats can vie for those. Um, three seats right. in the general election. Uh, three Democrats filed petition, so there will not be a Democrat primary. Right. Uh, there are two challengers, uh, Vermillion seeking re-election, of course, and uh, there are two others who are who have filed, and that's Emily Cole 
and uh, Greg Betts and Greg yeah. Betts. Uh, Greg Betts uh, attempted to run for the uh, U.S. The Steve Stiver's seat, and uh, there was a Democrat primary. Uh, Allison Russo uh, won the primary against uh, Greg Betts, and uh, then uh, Mike Carey uh, defeated Russo um, for the seat ultimately mm-hmm. in the uh, general election. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are your three uh, candidates. Um, I have uh, reached out through social media to Greg Betts, uh, but that was only two days ago, and um, I haven't received a response yet right. uh, from him. Uh, I didn't keep a contact. I did speak to him uh, during the, his campaign uh, for the for the uh, for congressional yeah. seat, right? Uh, but uh, I've reached out to him through social media, and I did have a chance to talk with Emily. Uh, so. Um, a candidate um, also for that seat. Good. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that's going to highlight, as we said before, as we're going through this, we're trying to figure out the strengths uh, and best throughput for this platform. And I think in this case, um, you know, it's good to kind of be able to preview the story a little bit, talk a little bit about the general setup and architecture of, you know, local politics, how the primaries work and things like that. And then you know, we'll get that story out as soon as we get everybody uh, accounted for and and quoted, and uh, yeah, that way everybody can get a good first glimpse of these candidates with about a month, uh, month and a half to go before they mm-hmm. have to even go to the first primary ballot box, and and we can uh, continue along. And and as kind of the another strength of this format that we're going to highlight here in just a second is we'll update these stories as we go. For example, you know, we have. Oh, go ahead. On the Republican side. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's finish uh, up with the, with the actual uh, Republicans, yeah. Uh, Marsh and Tarazi are both seeking re-election. Uh, they were each appointed uh, to city council um, and uh, then elected to uh, their first full four-year term in 2019. Right. So they're each seeking their uh, second term. So that's two of the three seats that are being contested and, on the Republican uh, side, and they're also... And two other Republicans are running. Uh, Greg St. Clair um, is running, and... Uh, Isseldike? Yes. Uh, I believe that's how it's pronounced. I had a chance to speak with him. Uh, J.T. J.T. Isseldike. Uh, he is a 2018 graduate of Bradley High School. and uh, 23 years old. 23 years old. Getting a jump um, on stuff. Uh, graduated from uh, uh, BGSU in uh, criminal justice and political science, uh, but is now working as a legislative aide uh, at the State House for uh, Ohio Representative Brian Stewart. Uh, Brian Stewart represents the 12th House District. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's legislative aide and uh, is, is running for city council. I spoke with him. Uh, um, he shared that he would like to be a part of creating a path to set Hilliard uh, apart and give it its unique identity. Uh, he shared that he sometimes or feels that it might it might not um, stand out as much as as he would desire it to stand out from uh, neighboring suburban communities. And I might later have a chance to ask him to expand on that. That might also be part of some continuing coverage. Uh, the story that you'll see forthcoming is just letting the readers know, hey, there's a primary May 2nd, yeah. and here's your candidates. Yeah. And they've all shared what they want to do, um, uh, but how are they going to do that? And that gets into a little deeper conversation um, in might get to that. Um, I hope so. I closer, hope that we do. the primary. I hope that we do. You know, and I would <laughs> say here that I would, you know, invite people in here to have a conversation about it. I'd um, love to chat with candidates in here. Yeah, about that'd be great. This and that. I think that would be cool. 
And, you know, I mean, I think it would it would go a long way towards, uh, you know, breaking down some of the conventions around the thing. You know, you've got you've got to get beyond these initial sound bites, as you say. Um, you know, because it's one thing to acknowledge that Hilliard's got a case of little brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's another thing to say we want to be competitive in, with these other cities. And how do you compete as a what, city? Yeah, well, you know, is, what does that mean? Yeah, what <laughs> games are we playing here, and should we be playing games? You know, okay. so um, I, I I'm excited uh, as always. I ran unsuccessfully myself. You know, and the thing about these local council races is that when I ran it, they were all extremely close. Yeah. I mean, within hundreds of votes either way between being first and last in some cases you know and like uh just getting in and getting over the line is is an accomplishment in itself and we should applaud these folks for taking the steps to uh try to serve and help our city so thank you to them and thank you to kevin for taking these initial steps to get this story done we'll get it out to you all very soon uh but moving on um to move into one of the strengths of this format that I'm finding is that we're going to talk a little bit about uh, an update on a story that we've already dedicated some pages to and Kevin's got some fishing updates this is the story uh, relating to the 200 plus thousand dollar theft of uh, funds via a scam uh, perpetrated on the city of Hilliard several weeks ago and uh, Kevin's been following up on that. So take us through some of those particulars, brother. Uh, the investigation's still ongoing, um, both the criminal investigation or the police investigation into what happened and um, also an external audit into, um, into into how it happened from the from within the city's finance department. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some other uh, tentacles uh, to this. Uh, Hillary City Council received a letter um, from David Landy, the... Finance director, the, the former term, finance, the director. finance director, yes, uh, and and I don't know what action um, will um, will evolve from this, uh, but it, but it did raise some interest um, at the city council meeting. Um, I was told I did not attend that city council meeting in person, but um, I did receive uh, a few emails from uh, residents, mm-hmm. um, both asking what I know uh, or, uh, about it, as, as well as hey, you know. What more do you know about this? Right. And um, you have a copy of the. the I do have letter. the letter. Is um, that publicly? It is. It's public. It is. Okay. Right. Um, this is uh, once it goes to city council. Uh, it is. It's Entered a public into the record. record. Okay. Um, and, and and that could be a whole other um, uh, discussion. Uh, again, I wasn't at the council meeting, uh, but I think attention was called as to whether or not uh, this um, is a public record. Uh, but but once it went to city council, um, it, uh, it's it's a public record, and uh, the letter that Mr. Delandy wrote uh, was was uh, is, is this from Monday? It's from March tenth. Uh, uh, received March thirteenth, mm-hmm. and uh, in this letter uh, he just uh, lays out his his side of of, of, um, of the fishing attack and, and how and how and when and what occurred. And, and who was involved in this? Um, the letter uh, does, uh, at the end, conclude with with asking uh, with asking the city manager or asking city council. And uh, I need to be clear: I don't know if city council or the city manager Michelle Crandall is, actually is, has the power to. I don't know which one considers this or which one has the power to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is asking for consideration of a severance package um, for his 29 years of service uh, to the city. So it would appear, um, and, and, I, and I don't. It would appear he d- 
did not have a severance package then uh, when he was uh, terminated. So he's not asking to be reinstated at this point? No. Okay. No, he's not. Um, uh, but but it, it spells out in a little more detail um, than what I had. It is similar to the actual company's email and had communication back and forth. Uh, the subject asked to have their vendor profile updated in the city records. A form was completed, signed, and submitted by the suspect, uh, which authorized the city to initiate ACH payments. Um, the document provided the same vendor number as the authentic Strasser Paving Company, uh, but a new routing number and account number were linked, were listed. Um, and uh, the person listed as the contact was the uh, president of Strasser, who in fact was not doing Obviously this. Obviously right. not yes. doing this. But it's interesting because it points out a couple of things. Go ahead if you got more. Uh, on December 20th, the payment was issued, and the ACH uh, was uh, went through on December 21st. Uh, the Let's see. This would be the uh, police detective uh, spoke with the financial assistant about the incident. Uh, and that financial assistant after Christmas, uh, returned to work and was given kind of a second thought about what had played out December 19th and December 20th. Hmm. Uh, the, the finance department contacted Huntington Bank, attempted to freeze the money. Uh, the money had been routed to TD Bank uh, into an account that had been opened the day prior at TD Bank. Um, uh, uh, the police talked to um, a fraud team at TD Bank, um, these details are in the police report. I'm not sharing the particular. I'm not sharing the names here. Sure. Um, and the the city was initially told that the money was still at TD Bank. Um, uh, finance employees of the city later spoke with another member of TD Bank, and her name's here, who stated the money had been released the day after they were told about the hold. So, uh, which is something else that that. Um, Mr. DeLandy brought up in his letter to the city council was uh, that the finance department had been told by the bank, hey, the, these funds haven't quite been cut loose when, in fact, they apparently had been, um, which... Uh, which, change, which he's saying changed his calculus for the way he was going about doing the rest of the job of reporting the incident. That, that, that is... That's right. I see. Um, in, in, in reading in reading his letter, um, his uh, Delandy's letter uh, does acknowledge. Uh, let, me, let me go back and find. Uh, in his letter, he does he says he does acknowledge and accept responsibility for not notifying not notifying uh, Michelle Crandall, uh, and then goes on with with more detail in the timeline to explain the the, the mitigation conflicting uh, information that. that the Hilliard received from, steps, from, steps, the, from the financial institutions where these where this money had gone several different places. Uh, yes, he was using he he outlined that and explaining why he um, thinks there are mitigating mitigating factors, factors yeah. into into the decision that was made to uh, in the decision made to terminate him. Mm. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's before city council. And uh, I, I I don't I don't yet know uh, if it's city council or or the city manager who who will, who would if they choose respond to, to, to the letter yeah uh, but that, right. that, that was shared in uh, that was shared at city council on Monday well there you go that's something that uh, you know uh, you would not know uh, at all and that the, it, it's just these things where once you start falling down the stairs anybody here falling down the stairs <laughs> mm. it's 
tragedy in multiple parts. Mm-hmm. Like your first misstep is tragic enough because it only takes that first misstep to realize you're falling. Mm-hmm. How bad it gets after that, you know, is a project. <laughs> it unfolds over a couple of seconds that seems like a week. Right. And, you know, from what it sounds like is that uh, obviously these people who perpetrated this fraud um, seems like they've got a, a reasonable slick operation wherein they know some details. They know some very specific account information that may or may not be, like, inside, uh, you know, on either side hmm. of these of this transaction, whether it's somebody inside of Strausser or whether it's somebody inside <clears throat> of other, uh, you know, of these these offices. Who, at this point, you still can't say. It still doesn't feel like there's been any definitive conclusion other than the TikTok of, oh, it went to TD, they botched it, said it was still there and it hadn't been cleared because it was such a huge cash amount or whatever. You know, they didn't, they they wouldn't move it when things were so fresh since right. they obviously just created the account. Right. Um, you know, it might have tripped up against certain protocols or whatever. But I mean, you know, you see people defraud and try to hide financial transactions all the time in this mm. system. I mean, we're seeing huge examples of all this stuff playing out in the national media right now. But right. I mean, you know, you've got things uh, like, oh, if you take out $9,999, you won't trigger the uh, $10,000 limit of cash uh, movement, and right. thus you won't fall afoul of various uh, federal investigative in, in, uh, agencies. But, I, you know, it's just, it's, it's why I'm so happy that we're doing this, because, you know, the Columbus Dispatch reported that this happened, the immediate follow-up was reported, since then... We've discovered more and more. Kevin sought out more and more, and we're bringing you more and more of this information. Right. So as this goes on, we will continue and bring you uh, the latest updates, and we'll try to find ways to get you some of this specific information the, that's been shared with us and is publicly available. So I would imagine that the investigation of this incident would need to delve into practices at, practices at, at Strausser's paving Additionally, oh wow! I, mean, I don't know about I don't I don't know about the, about that. The thing the, is, the suspect any, posed as a vendor, right? But in the, it's, so he posed as a vendor. So any kind of cybercrime is usually going to start with an identity theft, because criminals are not going to steal money using their own accounts. Mm. So in this case, what we probably have is Strausser may have fallen victim to identity theft of some sort. Somebody got a hold of their information. Someone got a hold of their information oh. and then used that. So the know, suspect who posed as as the vendor Strasser, the investigation I suppose would look at how right. now they how did, the suspect had that information right. and was armed well enough to to fool somebody. To fool a right. So right. you're looking at someone. Maybe it was an inside job at Strasser. Maybe it was someone who stole information and assumed credentials from Strasser to be able to perpetrate that. Yeah, it does sound like that, that, you know, the email address was similar to the company email address, but they probably popped up a fake email. Um, it's redacted in the report. It's redacted so in the report. Tell. So this this information we're, we're 
hypothesizing. Right. It's probably, mm -hmm. uh, it may be part of what's been redacted from right. the police investigation. But those actual when documents... When that's closed, that might be something that we would know more about. Right. But those actual documents that that financial assistant, mm -hmm. finance department assistant looked at were convincing enough that they passed in the moment and then they said in the police report that they had second thoughts after they had mulled that situation over the break. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, again, things happen in the moment, bang, bang, and, uh, you know, people are left to pick up the pieces afterward and tell you what happened, and that's what we're here to do. Right. It's smart to try and do that in the crush of the holidays. Yeah. December 20th is a miserable, miserable Yeah, where time. everybody's just trying to hustle and got a million things on their mind. Yep. It's tough. It's yep. tough out there. Clever, clever thing. But, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, encourage people uh, to, to pay close attention to these things. And uh, hopefully in the future they find ways to, as you said, address these internal structures and policies and, you know, develop some kind of uh, more airtight uh, system. Uh, I thought maybe it would be interesting to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that passed through uh, on March 13th council date because it's a kind of a continuation of something I've been keeping my eye on and it's under our purview as uh, reporting on development um, last night or no sorry March 13th um, the resolution 23R17 appointing members to the Hilliard Development Corporation Board of Directors uh, the Hilliard Development Corporation is a not-for-profit corporation established to advance, encourage, and promote civic, economic, commercial, and industrial development within the city of Hilliard and, whereas, pursuant to Ordinance 2019, which has established, the, established the Hilliard Development Corporation, it's the city's agent for industrial, commercial, distribution, and research development, and, as a result, city council desires to appoint three members to the board of directors. So they did that. But to lay it all out, the Hilliard Development Corporation is essentially a not-for-profit group that's been established within Hilliard City Government to facilitate the creation of development opportunities. Mm -hmm. And as someone with my brain, mm -hmm. I tend to have a lot of klaxons going off right now where uh, non-elected people with significant connections to development and industry mm -hmm. uh, get appointments to control the direction of such a broad issue. Sure. And, you know, I think that uh, what people wanted when they decided to switch from a strong mayor to a city manager was a more measured and professionalized approach to how development gets done in the city. Okay. And some of the, uh, um, you know, emails we've already received... Uh, from people that have been most interested in things is always development. Where are they building the new set of apartments? Where is the new subdivision going in? What does the new roundabout look like? Where is the new Amazon data center going to be? Uh, which has come out also recently, which we're going to probably do a story on. Um, what I think uh, I'm most interested in is this board of uh, this board, this oversight board, it's been appointed is the city manager, the chief information officer, and a council person. Right? So again, unelected, unelected, elected. So we went from a strong mayor who made a lot of decisions with a coterie of people and created a lot of outcomes for the city, but got a lot of 
negative feedback over that over the years and created a situation of tension within uh, the city government that only recently was re resolved with this appointment of the city manager. I feel like we're right back here. I feel like we're right back here with small rooms of unaccountable people doing business not in public session, but in executive sessions, in meetings where there isn't as much ability to oversee what happens or even, you know, how this process goes. So I hope that one of the things that we can do is we can take this as a starting gun and kind of like a, an angle on our development coverage and kind of try to track the progress of things as they come through this pipeline. <clears throat> because that's the only way we'll be able to determine whether or not it's doing what we've asked it to do. You know, I, I, I have always felt strongly that the people of the city need to be much more directly involved with government beyond just a voting. You know, I want wards, I want neighborhood planning groups that meet regularly, I want city council people mandated to attend those things, mm. um, and that's all because I feel like people need to have their voice heard, number one, and an opportunity to have a picture of this stuff before it comes to the crisis point, before it comes to that moment where your neighborhood park's getting plowed under, or, you know, some... Uh, project is going in that you don't know anything about, and it's a trail of tears mm -hmm. right up to the mm -hmm. right up to the council chambers. Right. What I want to do is I want to build a more inclusive process from the word go. Mm -hmm. I want to include. A pro I want to help create a process that is more accountable to the people that live in these areas in these neighborhoods, and brings people into these situations and in scenarios a lot more uh, directly and a lot more quickly. So what do you guys think? What do you think about Hilliard Development Corporation in our government? Well, I think there's a sort of a trade-off between a, a conflict of interest between someone who might have development interests who is on that board, but also if you're going to staff those positions, you need to have someone with relevant experience. And there's going to be a limited pool of people who... Will, would know what they're doing in that context and the chances are they're going to be involved in development somehow. So how are you going to find people with no conflict of interest who will have the chops to do or that Or the job? connections, right. Yeah. right. The actual um, corporation is only made up of a few people, right. essentially. So it's like a board of directors overseeing a board of directors, essentially. Uh, and that's a, I think it's a five-person Right now, it's this mm -hmm. guy, Kirk Harris, Aristotle, Hutris, Liberty, Schindel, and Tom Baker, I think, is on it, and one other person. And then I think... Baker and Harris are both former city council members. Okay, okay. So, so you have people that are, you know, have an interest and have had a hand in, you know, guiding the town through... Kirk Harris was on planning and zoning. Uh, you know, planning and zoning. Right, so that's going to be... Baker was on city council. That's going to be good, relevant experience. Um I think there's also, you ought to be careful how many, if, if your interest is in development, you don't want to add people to the stew who can say no. <laughs> oh, I, I disagree. <laughs> I know you disagree, but uh. from the standpoint of we're here to get things done, we want to increase development, but you, you definitely what? want to maintain right. autonomy and not have... Right. 
people be able to come and piss in your Cheerios. Pardon my, <laughs> pardon my French. Sure. Obviously, some amount of piss in the Cheerios is going to be necessary sometimes. I'm going to abandon this metaphor. Yeah, I think it's probably good to veer veer <laughs> off. But I don't disagree. I don't disagree that you know people have to have a facility with the process. Like, if you're going to be asked to be a decision maker and a real facilitator, you have to you have to be able to do right. right. You can't just say. You can't just big things coming or whatever. You have to be able to get in there, shake the hands, do the whatever. You know, figure out the financials on the back end and all that stuff. Right. I guess my my principal concern with it is simply not like the actual doing of things because stuff gets done all the time. Right. You know, uh, people go above and beyond their deposit limits in certain banks in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. you know, in order to obtain sweetheart deals and excellent services and zero negative interest rate mortgages and all sorts of stuff. Uh, people can get a lot done. I'm most interested in what is driving the decision matrix of this company, right? So this you want corporation. you want transparency in what projects are they seeking? Yeah, what conversations are they having? Like, yeah, the consolidated interests are obviously going to be first at the door. You know, the people that have the biggest ability to spread resources around and ask are going to be the ones asking. Right. My primary concern is always like origin points like who is driving these things forward you know you see the same development lawyers in city council chambers every week you see the same representatives regularly uh, from different housing and building concerns so you know i i get that um things need to happen and there's some there's some housing shortfalls that hilliard needs to address and how those get addressed is largely going to be a result of who gets courted to make those growth requirements reality right? right like a house is a house an apartment is an apartment a condo is a condo a courtyard you know is a, all those things who do we get to build those things and you know how do we arrive at them right. like short bids long bids big bids small bids like is it somebody's best friend like <laughs> you know it, these are all just questions that i think in its infancy in this new way of doing business for the city this is something we should really dial in on and see start to finish how some of this stuff comes through this particular pipe right we know we understand one hand washes the other and that is going to happen anywhere there's development anywhere there's business construction that kind of thing but we want to know yeah and we want and how dirty were those hands to begin with right and is there you know there is (laughs) sure there is no um (laughs) there is no finished product for government Right, so just because we've added a city manager and we've gone a more professionalized route in those management aspects, that doesn't mean that there isn't still a need, in, in my estimation, a crying need mm-hmm. for more actual citizen participation, recurring week to week, month to month, over the course of years, so that people have um, a way that they can feel like they're involved, so that they can feel like they're not just isolated and. Uh, uh, clueless all the time. You know, that's why we're sitting here doing this because mm-hmm. it's not right for 50,000 people-ish to be without a legitimate source of local news and reporting. It's just not right. And if we're going to grow, if we're going to use corporations inside of government to grow, not for profit or otherwise, uh, you know, I want to have somebody looking at this stuff. So I'm glad it's I'm glad it's Kevin. I'm glad it's us. I'm glad we're doing it. As much as council members um, are said to be... Um, responsive uh, charged with being responsive to those who elected them 
uh, residents need to be a part of their community too. Yes, and, and I think that's I think that's lacking sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, go to city council, um, you know, find out what they're doing and hold them accountable for their decisions. Right. Um, a lot of things come through planning and zoning before they. Most things come to planning and zoning before they get to city council. I can think of examples where, you know, finally a bulldozer shows up to move dirt and a dozen or so residents <laughs> descend on city council. Sirens are what going are you doing? Off. Klaxons <laughs> are going off. Yeah. Like, and, it's not a secret. And, We've and, been talking about this. I know, and it would sometimes, you know, frustrate me and make me wonder, well, I guess nobody read what I wrote six months ago because right. this th- this is didn't fall out of the sky. Right. This this was this was going through. And a lot of it is vetted at, at planning and zoning. Now, the conversations that got them to planning and zoning, now some of those might be going on. Those are just phone calls between sure. between whomever's making those phone calls. Hey, a developer says, I want to build something here. You know, what's it going to be like? What do I have to do? Get some, give me some ideas before I invest my time and effort into bringing a plan to city council. Yeah, those conversations are, are probably happening. And... I can call and ask, and maybe they'll share it with me. Maybe they won't. Right. Um, you know, I, I, my experience as a reporter is sometimes they'll tell me, hey, this is what we want to do. Right. Other times I'll get back with you later, or, or perhaps they just keep it among themselves until it does come to planning and zoning. Well, I mean, Kevin, you know, we're so. always developing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can be, it can be uh, frustrating, but again, just points to that need for more direct involvement, and I hope uh, we can help facilitate some of that with people, and I hope people... You know, we're over 300 subscribers now and growing all the time, and we're going to keep pushing forward, and we're going to stick around a little bit to talk afterwards about some of that stuff today. Um, but I, I'm encouraged by the idea that the people that are uh, part of this project from a subscriber standpoint and a supporter and sponsor standpoint is that they're they're going to be part of that vanguard. They're going to be part of that interested vanguard that really cares about what's going on in Hilliard. And I, I'm excited to continue exploring that with both you guys and with the with the audience at large. So um, that's that's really all I wanted to get through uh, for today with that. Um, I kind of wanted to kick it over to you, Kevin, a little bit to talk about uh, a loss the community suffered uh, recently. Um, and, you know, to, to pay our respects to that uh, city professional. Right, and I don't have words for it, really, um, but uh, the retired uh, Hillary Police Chief, uh, Robert Fisher, uh, passed from, uh, from cancer, which was a recent uh, diagnosis. Uh, I was told it had only been determined or made in the past three or four months. Uh, his uh, memorial is uh, tomorrow, Friday, uh, March 17th, uh, 1 to 3 p.m. and 5 to 7 p.m. at Rock City Church, um, as well as a uh, Just south funeral. of the Hilliard Library, Rock City right. Church. Okay. Um, and 11 a.m. Saturday um, for, a, um, uh, for a formal um, service. Uh, obviously, I worked with, uh, with Chief Fisher um, a number of times. Uh, he's a, a Coast Guard uh Coast Guard veteran, and uh, was always just a wonderful, warm, and friendly uh, person to work with, um, and I had a lot of respect for him, uh, and what I saw and how he worked with uh, the, the personnel at the, uh, the police department, so um, I just wanted to share that, or, or mention that. Um, that's probably something I may have written about in the 
former format of the This Week paper. Sure. Uh, absent that, um, I, I just wanted to, uh, to mention that. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, we express our condolences and sympathies as well. Um, you know, I, it's, uh, it's just such a miserable um, set of situations where, you know, you've uh, completed a long career, dedicated to your uh, service, and, um, you know, moments, <laughs> seemingly moments, um, after you've charted this next course uh, for the future, um, suffer this uh, this tough illness, and it, it ended uh, just a few weeks ago. And we'll be laying Chief Fisher to rest here uh, this weekend. So thank you, Kevin, for bringing that to our attention and, and uh, sharing that with us. I do appreciate it. Um, other than that, I wanted to say thank you again to everybody. You should be getting your um, article update here in the next uh, day or so, depending on how quickly we get these last couple quotes filled out. And that we'll be introducing you to your uh, Hilliard City Council candidates, both Republican and Democrat, for this year. Uh, so we're looking forward to that and our continuing coverage of that. We're looking forward to seeing more information from this fishing scandal and um, you know the police investigation that spills out of that. And uh, we're charting new courses for some of our other elements of coverage. This development corporation sits in the middle of Hilliard government. It's going to be something for all of us to keep our eyes on. And uh, I think there could be an announcement forthcoming about uh, our very first offering behind the paywall. But that's for discussion after uh, we shut this thing off. But uh, gentlemen, unless you have anything else to share at this time, I would like to bid you all adieu. Thank you for your time and attention. Now, is that going to be the tag? I don't know. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Did you get my paper shuffling? <laughs> <laughs>